Praise the Lord. Okay, turn over with me to uh, the book of Hebrews, if you will. And I'm going to recommend that we, just for each of you, uh, to really focus in. You know, the book of Hebrews is, I think, one of the, the, the great scriptures of the Bible. Oh, they're all great. The book of Hebrews is one of those scriptures where I don't really hear a lot of New Testament teaching that comes out of the book of Hebrews. And so we very much focus on Romans, we very much focus on some of the epistles, but I really encourage you as a congregation to take the first, for sure the first six chapters of the book of Hebrews and just read them once a day or however you can to kind of not just read them one time, but just let's cycle them for a few weeks right now in your Bible reading. Because I think what you're going to discover, especially after we spend some time in these scriptures, we're just going to pop into them for a moment. There's so much great stuff in the scriptures here in the first part of Hebrews. Uh, And particularly when it comes to us understanding uh, this concept, uh, the curve that we're on. How many of you all remember the curve? I'll put it up here in the corner, right? When it comes to this New Testament transformational curve that goes from misery to blessing, where we have been told... uh, sort of in our world that there is a shortcut, you know, the way that you go from misery to blessing is you run up to the altar, you pray a prayer, and all of a sudden there's six or seven Mercedes in the driveway and life is perfect. That might be the way it's sold. If you had that kind of experience, God bless you, that's not the typical experience, I can tell you. And so instead of that, what is very important, I believe, in this next season of the kingdom is that we get a a mature understanding of the journey that comes from uh, one side of the equation where we would be very natural people, where we would understand things very naturally, very factually, uh, very much based on how we perceive things or how we feel about them and all of those type of things and instead come across the line and find ourselves in a place where the, the actual way we perceive the world, not the way we're told to on Sunday or by the way that you know we think we should perceive the world, but actually perceiving the world the way the scriptures say the world actually is. If any generation on the planet has has been placed in a in a uh, you know in a mental or an inner uh, uh, difficult place to understand the truth, it is our world because our world is so full of the the, the you know the the filling up our souls with ideas that aren't necessarily the ways of God. And so not only that, but that our culture, even when we are given the word of God, then as soon as we walk outside the building, all of a sudden the world starts again with all of their principles and with all of their concepts, trying to get what God has given us washed out of our minds so that we can go back to the ways of the world. And so and this has been, in our generation, it is something that if we don't really focus on, then we're going to be putzes in the hands of these things. That's just how it is. I mean, if you're not aware that this is what's going on in your life all the time, to be conscious, don't not watch bad movies because Jesus doesn't like you if you watch bad movies. Don't not watch bad movies because God's going to judge you. Don't go to the wrong places because God's going to think you're a nasty person. Don't do things like that. At least, I mean, certainly don't, don't do them if you can help it. But that's not the objective. 
right? The objective is to step into this wholeness that comes from the New Testament, understanding that if I put my soul and my perceptions into that world, I am going to be pressurized to believe those things. Just like the reason that you're here this morning is you want pressure to come to your life in the ways of God. You want to be able to hear God. You want to understand what he's talking about because you really do believe that God has the right answers, that he's got the life that leads to blessing. That's why you're here because you want the pressure. Well, don't be, as, don't be unwise in the sense that then leaving here, going and submitting yourself to other things, all of a sudden isn't, is going to shut the door. Your soul is not going to be aware of those. You don't want to be doing that. And so when you're going through it then, what Paul talks about here, or if we don't really know exactly who wrote the, the book of Hebrews, we suspect it's Paul, although he must have been very humble by this time because he didn't identify himself in it like he did in the others, no offense. But... When Paul is going through, or the writer of Hebrews is going through um, this, this early understanding of the first couple chapters of the books of Hebrews, he's focusing in on something very, very important and a word that has been ringing in my spirit now. I've been trying to get to this teaching, as many of you know, since the beginning of the year. But this one word has been ringing in my heart since the beginning of the year. And this word is rest. And so when the, when you, if you read the first couple chapters, particularly chapter 3 and chapter 4, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is majoring on this concept of rest. And then he talks about it, if you will, referring to when, when Joshua, remember in the Old Testament when Moses, after the Exodus, the Pharaoh thing, then they do the 40 years in the wilderness, and then Joshua takes over, takes them into the promised land, and they have this magical experience in the land that flows with milk and honey. How many of you remember that story? Saying, you know what I really want to do is I really want to come into my land that flows with milk and honey. How many of you say that? That is the... Can I tell you something? You already live in that land. Matter of fact, you live so much in that land. Those people who lived in that land who did not have indoor plumbing would say that you really live in the land that flows with milk and honey. <clears throat> the problem is, and Hebrews talks to us about this, even though Joshua or your father or your mother or your economy or your government whatever it would be that has brought you into the land that flows with milk and honey, you still haven't achieved, scripture talking here, not saying you haven't, we still haven't come into this place called rest. And the reason it talks about that is because just like in the days of Joshua, the people had begun to place their trust and confidence in the things of the promised land. The problem with the things of the promised land, as they began to discover in those years after Joshua's time, and Joshua's time was a time of war, it was a time of difficulty, it was a time of struggle uh, to a degree, and then after Joshua had done, then they started running into all kinds of different problems. Remember the Gideon problem? That was a little bit later than Joshua. And they started to have the, the land that flowed with milk and honey as the, you know, as the Midianites were looking down from the mountain and wondering where they were going to get breakfast. They said, ooh, how about Joshua's house? And so down from the mountains, the Midianites would come and they would steal the crops from the Jewish people who, who were now inhabiting the promised land. 
And so even though they flowed in, the, in this, they, there was just this abundant flow of resources and goodness and, you know, grapes the size of watermelons, that's all awesome until what? Until somebody comes along, finds that you have some cool stuff and takes it from you. Yeah. And what starts to happen then is there starts to become, even though we, they flow in the land that, that flows with milk and honey, live in the land that flows with milk and honey, there are now reasons why they need to still be afraid. They still need to be concerned. They still need to hoard. They still need to put up barriers. They still need to carry guns. They still need to do all of these type of things. Does that sound familiar with anybody? That's just exactly the same as our world, right? People are wealthier beyond imagination. You know, if you talk to these people who went to Uganda recently and they would sit down and say, they'd ask that person, how much money do you have in your bank account? Let's say the really richest amongst them would say, I have a hundred dollars. Do you know what that person in Uganda would do? They'd go, wow, that is a ridiculous, that's just extra money. You just have that in your savings account. They'd go, can I tell you something? Two-thirds of the human beings on this planet would go, wow. They couldn't imagine. You live in a house? You have a car and a bicycle? And you have a motorcycle? You have a lawnmower? We're just, we live in an extraordinary wealthy world. The problem is there's not the rest. You see, what happens is when we have the source of our, our peace, when our victory, when our resource, when our safety comes like it did in Joshua's day, where they, they flow in the land of, of milk and honey, when their peace and safety, when their, their confidence and when their, their view of the future comes from anything that is natural. There is no rest in that. It's like when they talk about, about the continent of Africa, the nations of Africa. The very worst thing historically that could ever happen to a nation in Africa is that they find something good there. They find something that somebody else wants. Because as soon as that happens, all of a sudden, the wars start. They were better to not have anything good than have something and then have to lose their children in order to protect that which they have found out that they have. Can I tell you, our world is a little bit more civilized than that, but it still doesn't produce any more rest in the hearts of people. And as long as we are getting what would appear to be victory without getting rest... Can I tell you something? That victory is just going to create a m more unrest. You remember Kay? In, how many of you saw Men in Black? I think you've all... Do we need to do a teaching on... Uh... Do you remember Kay? You know, Kay, his wife... Remember that Kay was the older guy, Jason Lee Jones? Is it? No, Tommy Lee Jones, sorry. Jason Lee is our guy. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Remember, he, he was looking at the he was satellite imaging his wife, who he had had to leave in order to become the protector of the universe or whatever he was in that movie. And the, uh, uh, Will Smith comes up to him and says, better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all. 
very euphemistically. And what does Tommy Lee Jones say? He shuts the book and says, yeah, try it. Because it's actually harder to have something and lose it than it is to never have it at all. Isn't that true? How many of you say, yeah, that's true? That's what causes the unrest. That's what the nervousness comes from. Do you care what the stock market, anybody in here really care what the stock market is doing in the United States of America? Can I tell you there's people who care? Who have all of their life savings now wrapped up in the stock market? You see, but they care, don't they? They wake up this morning and they can't wait to get to the newspaper to see if, they, if the Dow Jones survived the night. Because they're, it's, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm saying that there, you come up to that level and the more prosperity you have when you first don't have the victory of what God is talking about here as the rest. If you don't start with the rest, then the higher you go along this road of prosperity or safety or uh, confidence in the future, then you start to understand there's all kinds of reasons why the confidence you have in your future is actually paper thin. It's actually made of ice and it's warming up outside. And what happens is it creates more unrest. And so when the scripture here, so let's take a look then, if we're, if we're trying to focus on what does this mean, if God is taking us to another level, because we would have looked at Joshua and say, Woo, if I could just have what Joshua was talking about, I could just have promised land. A couple of years ago, we talked about that. I'm going to enter into my promised land. So many of you got into your promised land and find out now you can't get to church on Sunday morning, so you're still so stinking busy. The problem is, is that we first got to come to the rest. There is a whole new place of New Testament victory that even though the highest place of victory in the Old Testament would have been from the promised land experience, the New Testament is talking about a whole new place. Joshua talks, I mean, uh, 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 the Hebrews writer talks about that, that this is a rest that Joshua could never have given us. But you see, what we're doing in our culture is we've become addicted to the confidence that we get from a system that's built on ice. And everybody knows that. Everybody's, you know, waiting every, you know, the, with bated breath every day to when this is all going to come crashing down. No, it's fine. We've got things certainly worked out that we can keep it rolling along, but it doesn't stay rolling along without this uneasiness that is created all the time that my system is actually paper thin. Yeah. Maybe you don't think my Ian's system is paper thin, Maybe I've got enough of a charade going on that you think, you know, I'm built, on, built of steel, but I know that it's not. You know in your life that it's not. And so when you get that, you have to start in this place. You have to start with what the Bible is talking about here with this concept of rest. Uh, and so where does rest happen? And so we're going to try and deal with this stuff today. This is your place of rest. As long as you are not experiencing rest... In a certain area of your life, there is still this part of the journey that you are on. We should not be condemned with the fact that this is the side of the journey that I am on. Most people, even the most devout of Christians in our day, do not live above this line. And just let me give you a place there. Most Christians, even though we understand the ways of God and we've been taught the things of God, can you guys, are you guys getting this on camera? Yeah. Even though we have this understanding, the, the Hebrews begins to talk to us about those people. Well, let's just go there. I'm trying not to slow down my teaching today, but I feel like we do need to look in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 there. Let's go for verse 1. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, phobia, 
lest any of you seem to come short of it. Think of that for a moment. This is a, it's very dire words. How many of you can hear that? Like, be really concerned that there is this promise of rest and you're not going to step into, you're not gonna experience what it means to have this place of rest. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us, to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why not? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so what happens then is that we hear the word of God and the word of God creates this, this uh, intellectual awareness that this is how life should be but then we never are able to step into it. We should prosper. Maybe prosperity wasn't a big thing for you. Maybe safety wasn't a big thing for you. Maybe loving other people and caring about other people just wasn't a big thing for you. Then you became a Christian and you decided actually these are the important things about life is that we step into these things and but then we start stepping into them but we start doing them without first getting the rest, without first getting across this line and coming into the place where now I'm not doing it on the outside. I'm not making it happen on the outside. I am walking in it and, and letting, the, 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 letting the belief system that is in my heart produce it and create the runway and get that plane off the ground. And now I'm just literally flowing in my life, not because I have my hand on it, but because it's coming out of the inner belief system of my heart. If we don't do that, even though we step into it or a measure of it or we, we uh, uh, through that work of our hands and the ability of our intellect and the creativity that we can tap into and those little things, we start doing it, it creates a higher level of unrest in our lives. And that's what the scripture is talking about. I remember that when we were starting this ministry, you know, when we started off in our living room and so there wasn't really any, you know, there wasn't a big issue to contend with financially when we were sitting in our living room and you know the biggest expense I think we had was coffee. But then as we started to roll along, the Lord, you know, because I'm a business person and I like to look at things from a business point of view. And so when we were early on, you know, as our family was together deciding what we were doing and how we were flowing with God and what this meant and all that kind of stuff, it was really inside of my heart to, to be an aggressive marketing person when it comes to the ministry. And it took me a season for God to deal with me in growing a really big church when the weight of that really big church was going to be on my shoulders. And he said it like this. He says, Ian, if you build it in the soul, you have to maintain it in the soul. And I knew exactly, having had lots of, lots of my friends are ministers, and I get, you know, I have... Not, and through the, some of these friends, I have connections to all kinds of other people, and I recognize that what the, 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 the number one problem that's going on in the ministry right now is that so many ministers are leaving uh, and going back to secular places. They're doing that because the burden of doing the job is just too great. There's too much on me. Like, I have to you know, I have to do it right. I have to say it right. I have to pay the bills. I have to clean the floor. I have to, you know, change the diapers. And I got to do all of this work and work and work until I'm exhausted. And then you're done. Mm -hmm. You see, that's how life is. That's how everybody lives in our culture. That's why we are this aggressively overworked, overstressed people 
because the, the system of prosperity has come up, our world has increased in its ability, and yet these people who come back from Uganda would say, man, I can't believe how many smiling faces there are on the streets of Uganda. They're so much happier than we are. They're like, they're in a, a million times worse situation, but they're so much more content. They're so much happier. Their, their lives go along and everything. Why is that? Well, it's because of this problem, is that the higher the victory without first the rest, the higher the stress, the higher the misery, the higher the problems and all of these issues of unrest that are created by going up the ladder without first getting this. And so we have done that in our culture. Our culture has been very interested in making sure they solve all of our potential problems when we experience them. So you have a financial problem, that's okay. We have a hundred layers of debt that you can get into. Which layer would you like to get into now? And so we create all the debt stuff. We have a security thing. So we have guns and we have security systems and we have dogs and we have walls and we have armed cars and we have, you know, mercenary. We have, how high would you like to go? And so we've got all of these things built into our culture where we artificially create safety, yeah. artificially create the feeling that I cannot be hurt. And we build all of our systems of loving other people. We don't have to love those that are, that are in difficult medical situations. We have OHIP for that. Or, oh, I don't know, you guys have something else still <laughs> over in the States. There's, there's, there's places where we care for the poor. There's places where we care for the elderly. There's places where we care for mentally sick people. There's places where we care for single moms and for orphans. We have all of those things so that now we can separate ourselves from those real places of our lives because of our systems. Do you understand? And so we've built this whole network where we don't really have to live as active Christians anymore because everything is really taken care of. It's all good. Instead of realizing that God says, fear, have, have a sense of, of fear that you will not enter in to this place of rest. Because I believe he's saying that, not because you, you don't need to be afraid of God. He's definitely not the person you need to be afraid of. The problem is, is that our world, when we start to prosper and our world, when you don't have the, the, the rest issue fixed in your heart, you're actually prospering in a place where it's going to be harmful to you. And that's what we notice in our culture. In this greatest culture, we still haven't extended the life expectancy. In the last 50 years, we've gone from, I think, 71 years old to 72 years old. With all of our medical and all of our food and all of our you know, environments that we live in, everybody lives at 72 degrees, everything is perfect. And yet we still, we're not, we should be at 150 by now. The problem is, is that this rest problem has created it so that now everybody, if you talk to a naturopath or something like that, they'll tell you 95% of the diseases of the modern world are stress related. Why is that? It's because of this. And we could just pretend that it's not there and go blithely along, think it's okay, today's okay, today's okay, today's okay, today's okay, because we have used all these other mechanisms. And because we have substituted now, this is where the key comes in, we've substituted a source that we have put confidence in that we have no business putting confidence in that. And we know we have no business putting confidence in it. Instead, we have to come back to the place where our confidence comes from the word of God that has been planted on the inside of us. As it gets planted on the inside of us, it then comes out of us and produces the world that we live. That, does, that means 
that this force on the inside of you, when God is talking about faith, he's saying that this is an indomitable force. There is nothing in this natural world that can overcome, no matter what is going on around you, you could be like Joshua on the battlefield needing a few extra days of sunlight and his faith stopped the sun in the sky. Or what I think probably happened is he stopped the earth from spinning because that would be easier. Because in order to stop the sun, you have to stop the entire universe. That's what his faith did. Think about that. And so there's no force if we can buy into that this is the way that, that you have to just start here, no matter where you are right now, no matter what pressures are going on, certainly we got to take a shower, certainly we got to cut the grass, but don't stop putting confidence in those natural systems that you have learned in order to get things to work in your life now. I don't mind if you have a credit card, but just stop thinking that your credit card is your cash supply. I, I, I'm okay with you setting the security lock in your front door, but just stop allowing your front door to be your safety. Because unless we start pushing the, we don't, this is our problem. As human beings, we never do things that we don't have to do. I've had to work out now for 15 years. <laughs> Commandant comes to me yesterday and says, okay, dad, time to Tuesday morning, away we go. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, Tuesday morning. That sounds far enough away. I can commit to that. <laughs> See, we don't do it until we have to do it. That's how we do everything. You don't pay a bill before you have to. You wait. You don't eat well until you have to. That's what ice cream is for. <laughs> and so in our culture, we don't ever get a place where we have to. Can I tell you, it's always easier. If you're in, like, financial stuff is easier. It's always easier in the moment to go get a second job than it is to say, I'm going to take Pastor Ian's advice and I'm going to start building my confidence in my faith. It's always easier to fill out the application and get another credit card than it is to do this. It's always going to be easier to do that. The, the way of God is all, until you learn that this is actually the long-term solution, which you won't know just listening to me. You got to walk through this yourself and you realize, I really, I'm taught, you know, we just, I'm, you know, I don't want to be mean. I'm a, you know, ask somebody who knows me. Well, no, ask Alex. <laughs> I'm not a mean person, but can I tell you something? When it comes to us Christians and we're living in the New Testament, until we can understand that this is what the New Testament is about, this is the journey, this is the primary mechanism that causes the entire scripture to come to life. As it comes to life in us and transforms us from natural beings into spiritual beings, people who are no longer tossed to and fro by all the winds and waves of the things happening in this natural world, until we get beyond that and start realizing that I must come learn to live out of the flow of my heart, allowing my world to take flight all on its own because because I have empowered the word of God to actually get into a place in my life where it's bearing the fruit, 30, 60, hey, fold. I, you can go, let me tell you, we can go for another 60 generations and Christianity in its expression in this natural world is not going to change. Can I tell you something? 
didn't want to say this, but <laughs> the world is using this mechanism better than we are using. What I'm teaching you are principles. Okay? These principles are being expressed, if you take to in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, these are the way the kingdom works. And you'll discover that when I do to get to this teaching, which I was going to hope to get to today. Can I tell you something? There's another system in the earth today called the New Age. How many of you have heard of New Age? Sort of a religion kind of a thing, but it's got, it's really got, it's got no expression. You know, it's kind of like if you go to listen to this person, there's no organized movement of the new age. It's just a whole bunch of people buying into these principles of how do you, uh, how do you align yourself with creation? That's what they're really trying to do, right? They've got crystals and, you know, the crystal balls and, the, you know, all, I'm not, and I'm not knocking any of that stuff, really. I'm trying not to be like us and them. The difference is, is that in the kingdom, in the new age, it, you're, you're, they're, they're doing all of these using the exact same principles. If you listen to the things that I'll teach you over the next few months, and you go get some self-help book or positive thinking book or, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he kind of a book, you're going to find out that these principles are very similar. Because the world of science now, especially now, as I read up on things of how many of you know what neuroplasticity is, the, the ability to expand and transform the brain. They used to think that there was no transforming ability. It's sort of set in concrete, can't move it. That's not the case. They're learning how to use, and I'm telling you, they are scriptural principles that they are discovering as that they work. The problem is, is that the scripture is, the, 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 the kingdom is different than the new age and sort of like this world of, of uh, I don't even know how to use the right words to not offend them, but that there is all of these things that are used in order to make your life better. How many of you can just, let's just say it like that. And it's got all kinds of problems, of course, but there's... The major difference between the two is that the new age is really about serving me. And the kingdom, same principles, is all, all you know the answer is, serving others. The real root motive of a kingdom person has got beyond the natural human tendency to want to look after me. The deliverance that we get that, that, that Paul is talking about, or Hebrews is talking about here, is that this is all the me side. I'm just trapped in what about me, what about me, what about me, when does it get to be my turn, when, what about me, what about me, what about me, what about me, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. We don't get to a place of rest, remember the creature? When the creature is dead-ish, whatever, out of control, uh, not in control anymore. Because the creature is the guy that's ruining your life. He's the guy that complains. He's the guy that's miserable. He's the guy that sees the world not the way it should be. He's the guy that thinks other people should be less than him. Jealousy and all that comes from the creature. When the creature dies, we enter into finally the rest. There's, it's just, you're just good. 
Now, you haven't moved anywhere yet. Nothing has happened, really. I mean, there's little things that are happening, as you'll discover when we talk about this scripture talk, giving us like, just step-by-step instructions of going through this curve. But until we buy into the fact that, that rest is the indicator that says I've crossed the line, what we are, have the natural tendency to do is to already think we're past the line. Why? Because there's nobody that's past the line, really. And so we don't really have anybody to compare ourselves to when we're saying, I wonder whether I've passed the line or am I, am I actually entered the kingdom yet? Am I actually into a place where, there's, where, the, where it's starting to work in my life? Now, it's working down here. But we're still, this is the hard part, as I, I told you before. This under the line part, you'll discover it. This is where it's really kind of hard. This is the, in the scripture there, Jesus says, labor to enter the rest. This is the labor side. This is the enter side. We each have to be those people that are saying, I am going to labor to get across that line where I can finally rest. Where God now has the ability to increase my life the way he's always desired to increase it without also hurting me. Do you understand? We can push ourselves along the road without God's, I hate to tell you, without God's desire, he might say, I don't want you to do that. But we can push our way along that road as we've learned to do in our culture. We just keep going and going and going, driven by our self-creature, driven by the fear, driven by the negative, driven by the, I want to be important and significant, driven by all of those forces. When God is saying, can you just, would you just settle? Just, just, would you just be still? Would you just be content? Would you just rest? Would you just uh, uh, have calm in the midst of the storm? Because it's in that place then that each of us can back away from the trials of our life and the difficulties that we're facing and saying, I'm just not, not that I don't have to, you know, you got to keep your house of cards. I mean, we built, I did this when we did it and it was not fun. You got to keep your house of cards in order as best you can. You don't hurt the people around you. But get your attention off. If I could just get another loan, this thing would be solved. I got to go back. If I could just spray my house for spiders, then I won't be afraid anymore. That's not true. We have to buy into the fact that, okay, my journey, my first place is to get to a place of rest. When a bill can come in the mail and I don't freak out. When a mouse can run between my legs and I don't freak out. When somebody can cut me off on the highway and I don't get mad. I was up on the roof the other day, somebody left a cup of coffee half full. You know, I find that person, I'm going to wring their neck. My br- the brand new roof. Hadn't even rained on this roof yet, Garth. And somebody put a half full cup of coffee up there and I kicked it over. And <laughs> Now, my response was less than holy at that moment. I forget who was there. I think Adriano was beside me as he wondered, whoa. But you see what we've got, that's, I'm not in rest. I'm still loving my roof. I love, roof is nice. 
Love God. Appreciate the roof. Don't get those things mixed up, you know. But you see, what we can do is, when I, and then I came off the roof and I said, okay, wait a minute. Because I know, I, I, I know, I live very much in rest now. I don't, you know, you, you have to try pretty hard. Fred could do it a couple times, but you got to really try to, <laughs> to get under my skin. But every time I find out that something like that can happen, that's my enemy. How did that, how did that steal my rest? How did that make me worry? Why did that make me nervous? Why am I concerned? I'm not coming back. And then if I deal with those things, then I can be uh, at least, I don't know how far I am down the road, but at least I know I'm at the starting line. At least I know that I'm, he- I'm here for the most part. You know, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying I'm there all the time. Believe me, live with me. But I know that this is my spot. I'm no longer striving to get up here, although that's where I'm heading. I know that my main problem is, is I'm still dealing with stuff that is creating the unrest. And you know what? This is... No? Quit? Let it rip. Quit. Let it rip. Quit. Let it rip. Quit. Put your hand over your heart. That way I'll get you to come back next week. And say, Jesus, I need you desperately because I know there's been some unrest in my life. There's been circumstances, situations, crisis that have been able to steal my rest. I know this is my day. I'm stepping over that line and I declare my priority is rest coming to a place where I can be still and know that God's got me where I can be still and content and restful and calm in the midst of a storm I know that's my objective so Holy Spirit lead me my understanding as I read Hebrews and it builds my faith to know that the promised rest is promised to me it is my possession and I declare I'll have it in Jesus name